It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. You're listening to the Eagles Pod with Jimmy Kemsky and Tommy Lawler right here on LibertyBroadcast.co. Welcome to Eagles Pod. My name is Jimmy Kemsky from PhillyVoice.com. With me, as always, is Tommy Lawler from EaglesBlitz.com. How are you doing, Tommy? You're great. I am just sitting here uh, weaving my own uh, Sam Bradford jersey, and uh, nothing makes me happy than than making my own uh, Eagles jersey, as you well know. Well, that is sort of the buzz of the day that the that uh, Sam Bradford jerseys are not available in the Eagles uh, pro shop stores. But of course, the you know Eagles Nation is of course totally a buzz about the signing of uh, Seiji Ajira Tutu as well. Um, I don't know how you top that, really, but those are the two hot topics of the day today, so we'll be touching on both of those. Um, Absolutely. They did sign three guys recently, uh, Jira Tutu, uh, EJ Biggers, and Miles Austin recently. I think that Biggers and Jira Tutu, well, Jira Tutu for sure is really just more special teams help than anything. You're not looking at him to really contribute much as a receiver. Uh, Biggers may be sort of a special teamer guy that, that, you know, primarily he does have some experience playing safety, does have some experience playing slot corner. He's six foot. So in theory, he'd be a decent fit outside as well. Sort of the versatile type player that the Eagles have looked for on defense in their secondary. Uh, but then again, doesn't really matter how versatile you are if you're just not good <laughs> at anything. Right, right, but, right. What, what were your thoughts on uh, on those three signings? Well, uh, Azure Tutu, um, which, you know, I, I memorized how to say his name back when he was a draft prospect, so it's a good time uh, that I, I'm glad I did that, actually. Uh, you know, heck, they've already issued him number 16, which was Brad Smith's number, so that kind of tells you he is the new Brad Smith, you know, a guy <laughs> right. that's going to be – who would catch 1.4 passes a game and who would... Uh, and come in you know, for one uh, wildcat play per year that everybody hated. Uh, one wildcat play, 1.4 passes a game, come in as a run blocker in certain drives and play play his ass off on special teams. And, you know, Jura Tutu was a terrific special teamer for the Chargers, so that's a good signing. You know, it is what it is. You don't want to overdo it and make a sign against something great, but 
it's just a, a solid value signing. Um, Miles Austin, I know you're not the biggest fan of. I think my own perception is that they're going to play him in the slot and then slide Jordan Matthews more to the outside this year. And I think playing Miles um, Austin in the slot, he's had plenty of success there in his career. And we know Chip Kelly likes big slot guys. He still has good size. His hamstring held up completely last year was not an issue. So that may be a solid signing. You know, you don't want to talk about did they overpay him. That's a whole other issue. But uh, that may be a solid signing as well. EJ Biggers, um, not nearly as compelling a signing. You know, we're, we're talking here about a guy that, to me, he's the guy that has the biggest road to even make the roster. Uh, because, you know, you can say, well, he's got safety experience. He's got corner experience. He can play on special teams. The fact is, I need to go study him a little bit more, but I don't know that he's ever really stood out at anything in the NFL. And at a certain point, you know, versatility is nice, but you need to be good at something. And there needs to be a foundation where you stand out. And I don't know that that exists right now. I agree. I, I agree with that. I don't agree with Miles Austin being a, <laughs> a decent signing. I hate, I hate that signing from every possible angle you can imagine. He's never he's, he's he's never healthy. He isn't good anymore, even when he is healthy, and he gives you nothing on special teams. So if he's sort of a, a role player in terms of a receiver, if he's a three, a four, or five, typically you'd like those guys to also contribute on special teams. But no, no, hold, hold and he's, on. Now. And he's certainly not now. good enough to be a one or maybe I can. So I got you with a, with a three. I mean, and and I know where but, you're going to go. Like Jason Avant didn't play special teams when, when he was a three here. That's exact. Well, he, no, Jason Avant didn't play special teams later in his career. So right. Uh, I mean, his last his last year under Chip. Right. And well, no, he didn't play special teams the last couple of years. I don't think. But anyway, okay. the whole point is, if you say Miles Austin is going to replace Jason Avant. He, you know, Jason Avant's final season as an Eagle, he caught, what, 36, 38 passes. He had one touchdown, if I'm not mistaken. He was a good blocker on run plays. Austin can be a good blocker. I don't know that it'll be as good as Avant, but he can be good. He can he can be a slot receiver just like Avant was. He's got similar size. I would say Austin has better rack ability and is a little bit more of a natural athlete. And I would also say Austin is a better red zone threat because, unfortunately, much as I love Jason Avant, the guy had like 15 touchdown catches in like nine years. Uh, he just was never a red zone threat. And I think Miles Austin has been a guy that scored some touchdowns. And uh, again, not trying to make this guy sound like he's going to be freaking uh, you know, Calvin Johnson here, but he just, there has been red zone production from him in the past. I think he could be a better red zone threat in the slot than Jason Avant. So to me, if you just say, hey, this guy's the, the, the 2013 Jason Avant. You know, again, to me, the, the the argument then just becomes value and guaranteeing him a million dollar salary. You know that I'm not so keen on. See, here's the thing, though. I don't think he. I don't even know that he is Jason Avant because, and that's a, that's an argument that I kept getting over and over again on Twitter. Is he's going to be a slot receiver and he's going to be sort of the next coming of Jason Avant? And personally, I didn't. I didn't want Jason. I didn't want Jason Avant around anymore. Anyway, so I mean, that's not even the best comparison to me. But when you look at Jason Avant's last two seasons in Philly, and you compare them to Miles Austin's last two years receptions, Jason Avant ninety-one, Austin seventy-one yards. Avant ten ninety-five, Austin eight twelve yards per catch. Avant twelve, Austin eleven point four. They both had two touchdowns. Uh, 
20 plus. Who are their quarterbacks? I understand, but hold on, hang on. 20 plus yard receptions, Avant, 17, Austin, eight. (laughs) And neither of them had a reception of over 40 yards. Avant had 55 first downs. Austin had 48 first downs. So I get your point. You know, uh, Avant Avant didn't really have great quarterbacks. He had Vic and and he had a good season of Foles. Austin, obviously. Austin had, and, and Austin had, you know, the, the crap in, in Cleveland, but he had a year of, of Tony Romo. Yeah. Well, and I, listen, I, to me, when, when you look at it, I, I still think that uh, Avant played in a progressive uh, passing game that whether it was Kelly or Andy Reed, those were creative, aggressive coaches that there was enough weapons there and opened things up and they, they made the most of his abilities. And with Austin, I have not studied Cleveland's offense, but while they do have some weapons, uh, it's more like those weapons sort of go and thrive on their own rather than a, a – I don't know many people that are sitting around saying, man, did Cleveland have a scheme that really got me excited when I watched the game on Sunday. And so I just don't know that that's necessarily a super fair comparison. But, but I mean, we're kind of making excuses for him now. <laughs> like, I, I you, I'd rather just have a guy who produced than a guy who, you know, you're making I'm excuses not, for, for, for reasons he didn't, for reasons he didn't produce. Well, I don't, I, well, I don't know. I mean, if you're trying to understand why his numbers were a certain way, to me, that's not making excuses. That's trying to understand why his numbers were a certain way. You know, I mean, listen, I'm not trying to say Miles Austin is some great player, but can he be Jason Avant of 2013? I think so. Obviously, Chip Kelly had some kind of a similar thing in mind. Your big argument, as I understood it, was that you didn't want him because if he's going to be number three, you want to be a special teamer. My point is simply that Avant was a number three in 2013 and didn't contribute on special teams. They just valued him as a veteran receiver that could play the slot. That's kind of where I'm coming from. I don't think Miles Austin is going to be some key contributor on this team. I, you know, I think he'll be a role player, and you know, we'll see. Who knows? Maybe Chip Kelly's going to split the the slot with uh, uh, Huff, getting a lot of those snaps. Maybe the rookie's going to get some snaps in there, or maybe we're going to play more two tight ends this year. I hate it. I just, I hate it from every angle. And when originally, when, when they signed him, it was like, oh, well, I mean, the main argument for it was, okay, well, at least if they cut him, they don't have any penalty, which nobody even knew the terms of the contract. So I don't know if anyone was making that argument, but it turns out that he did get a million guaranteed. So if they do cut him and they, they will have a cap hit. So like it's a, that argument is now out the window as well. Uh, but yeah, I just don't like, it. I just, I, I think there are better options out there. And uh, he's a guy that why would you guarantee him any money at all? I mean, who else is, who else is calling miles Austin at this point? So oh, I, just, I, I don't I, know. I, that, I, 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 don't, I don't understand it. That, that's a very fair criticism. Uh, absolutely. The, the contract, you know, the, the fact we're going to pay him what uh, two and a half million dollars, you know, that I, I was a little surprised by that. Um, who would you rather have them have signed? Uh, there were a few, I don't remember off the top of my head. There were a few guys that I looked at in free agency that, and then we're talking about like, you know, much lesser names here, like less recognizable names rather. Uh, I don't, I don't remember off the top of my head, but you know, certainly they're going to address wide receiver in the draft, uh, whether right. that be early or mid rounds or late rounds or a combination of those, they, they may double dip like they did in 2014. But right. I, I mean, no, nobody would be a better, would be a better option for me, quite frankly, than, than miles Austin. I just, I uh, just don't, I just don't like it at all. That's fine. Yeah. And, and here's, it's funny. One guy that I talked about for a while in free agency was Michael Crabtree, and that guy yeah. is not getting any interest. He must be—he yeah. must, he be must a, have a, a reputation that is low. 
he must be lower than crocodile piss. I mean, his reputation has got to be terrible. I thought for sure he would be a great guy for the Eagles to bring in on a one-year prove-it deal, have the guy come here, he could thrive in his offense, and then leave next year, go sign some huge deal somewhere, the Eagles draft pick would have time to you know acclimate himself, whatever else. I thought that might be an interesting thing. You, know, you get the guy at a bargain rate for one year, but uh, nobody's touching that guy. And one thing we can, I, I think you would at least agree with this, and I, I certainly, based on what I've heard and seen, Austin does seem to fit the kind of guy that Chip Kelly wants from a high-character football culture kind of standpoint. How, how, I, can't, I can't get past this. How dare you besmirch crocodile piss? I enjoy it. <laughs> I, I enjoy a teaspoon of crocodile piss in my tea when I have a sore throat, you son of a bitch. I do too. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't. I didn't really know that about Miles Austin that he was this great character guy. I know. Well, I don't want to make him friends. sound. Of, yeah, well, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not disagreeing. I just that just and, and I had heard that after they signed him. I just never knew that about him. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with that or anything. I know he's friends with uh, with Demarco Mary. Um, but um, oh, it's it's Demarco Mary going to be pissed if they trade him now too? They trade him and Bradford. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, the Eagles are uh, are uh, acquiring Cowboys left and right. Apparently, and now they did they did bring in running back Cedric Pierman uh, for a visit. Yes, nothing happened there. Now let me ask you this: Do you know what the veteran minimum salary is these days? I, I used to have that memorized, but it's doesn't changed it, so much it, over the years. Doesn't it vary based upon tenure in the league? Well, I like, think doesn't it escalate? I think so, for, yeah, we need Sam Lynch. We're, we, we need we Sam Lynch on the line. How how dare you not be on the line already, Sam? But, Every, everybody needs Sam. Here's my question. Are they looking at Pierman as basically a cheaper option to Chris Polk? Because, uh, yeah, pos- possibly. And and a guy who is probably going to be a better special teamer than, than Chris Polk uh, is or was or whatever. Um, Pierman was second in the NFL in special teams tackles in right. uh, 2014. I think he had... Uh, I want to say he had 14 of them, and then in 2000, you know, just just for reference, Maragos had 12. Uh, he he led the Eagles, and then in 2013, I think he had 11 special teams tackles. So I mean, that's that's a guy who's a legit, really good special teamer, and they're loading up on him, and and it's really panned out for them. Obviously, with the number of touchdowns that they had in 2014 with returns and right. blocked punts, and you know, just all kinds of crazy stuff that they did. I mean. They, their special teams in 2014 won them games. I mean, yes, it, they almost made their special teams almost carry them to the playoffs. Uh, I mean, that's going to be an area where it's almost certain that they're going to fall off in 2015, but they can still be, you know, either the best in the league or, or I mean, they're just so far beyond the best special teams team in the NFL last season. They, they're going to take some kind of dip, but they can still be really, really good. And that's been one thing that they, have Chip Kelly's really, you know, emphasized since he came in as coach, not just in practice. I mean, he spends more time on special teams in practice than in, in like one practice than Andy Reid did in the entirety of his tenure with the Eagles. I'm kidding, of course, but uh, he spends a ton of time in practice. And I mean, it's just the number of guys that they acquired from Maragos to Brian Brayman, to even a guy like Brad Smith and, and James Casey. And well, it's, it's, you know, Trey Burton and right on down the line. They've acquired so many great players that, that are good special teams players, and they keep doing it, which is encouraging to me. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say is this all started with signing a guy like James Casey, who they said this guy can be a good special teams player for us and a good tight end. 
And while he never panned out quite as the tight end that we all expected, he was a very good special teams player doing whatever little things they needed. And, you know, they would acquire Brad Smith in the middle of the 2013 season. A lot of people said, why are we signing that guy? Big deal. Well, obviously he became part of a, a real good unit. And so they, they kept looking and they kept building this up. It wasn't like, I think some teams go hire that one your son, the Chris Maragos type, put him in and say, done, <laughs> be our specialty player. I'll done. never forget in 2000 and I guess it was 2003, uh, Brian Mitchell had left the Eagles after 2002 and he went to the Giants. They had awful special teams in 2002 and they knew how good Brian Mitchell had been for the Eagles. So they signed Brian Mitchell and there was one punt where the Eagles are playing the, the Giants and I can't remember if it was uh, Moose Johnston or wh- whoever the announcer was. And he goes, this just goes to prove that you can't sign one guy and fix special teams. They showed uh, Brian Mitchell trying to field the punt, and there was like six eagles surrounding him. <laughs> right. And it was a beautiful picture. And it just goes to show you, and I think some teams have that mentality. Let's go get that one guy. Well, the eagles are, are saying, hey, let's constantly go get that those other guys that can contribute because you never know when somebody's going to slack off, get hurt, whatever, and you need that next guy ready to step in. And so that's why they're looking at guys like Kajira Tutu and, and uh, obviously Pierman. And, you know, like uh, if I'm not mistaken with uh, Chris Polk, he's due to make over a million bucks with the oh, yeah, restricted yeah. tender. Yep. If you and could get up. this guy at six or $700,000, you save some money. Maybe he's not as good a runner as Chris Polk, but is that significant? If he's a better special teamer and you save the money and you've got Matthews, Murray, and Sproles ahead of him. So these are just the kind of things I think you have to think about when you talk about roster building and how to handle the offseason and stuff like that. Okay, well, let's move on to the draft. And as we all know, the Eagles are going to trade up to draft Marcus Mariota at the second overall pick after they complete a deal with the Titans. Uh, but just in case they don't do that and they stay at 20, what do you say we uh, look through and kind of figure out who kind of makes sense for the Eagles at 20? And if you disagree here, let me know. But I would say that they're four most likely – I'm sorry, no, not four. Three most likely positions that they're going to draft at that spot in the first round would either be cornerback, wide receiver – or offensive line, and maybe, I'll, you know, I will throw a fourth in there, maybe edge rusher. Uh, I absolutely agree that those are the positions that are most likely to be to be picked, absolutely. Now, again, what a stress, you're not saying this is where they're going because of that position, but this is kind of where the best players are that should be available in that area. A combo of combo of need and, it, and talent. It, exactly. It's a combination of circumstances, but you're not saying – are you not going to say I'm going to get a safety there? Yeah, well, yeah, and let's go ahead and talk about that just for a second. I've written about this a few times. I know uh, Shields written about this. I, uh, you know, I assume you maybe have. Landon Collins does not fit what the Eagles do. Right, he, he's a talented safety, and for some schemes, he would fit right in and be a natural player. He's more of a pure box safety. He doesn't have the man cover skills that Bill Davis and Chip Kelly like in a safety. So don't look for him to be – I don't think the Eagles will have him on their draft board. That doesn't mean the guys really, are not, talented. Not a, I mean, they, they won't even have him as like a third-round pick? I don't think so. Because I, I think part of it is you just sit there and say to yourself, we why list him in the first round? Why, why would you put a third-round value? If the guy fits, you take him in the first round. Either he fits or he doesn't. 
You see what I'm saying? And if he doesn't fit, he doesn't fit. And I just don't think his skill his skill set fits because they like their safeties to have man cover skills, and I don't think you want any part of Landon Collins on a uh, on a on a slot receiver. I agree. I don't think he's that deficient in in terms of his coverage ability, but I agree. I, I do think he's a bad scheme fit, and the the things that he does really well, and and have put him sort of at the top of the of the safety class anyway, uh, are not fits for for what the Eagles do. So I'm with you there that they're not going to draft the safety in so, the first round. And then, and then yeah. after him, there's there's nobody else that you would even consider anywhere near that high. No, no. So let's talk about the. We'll talk about it by position for just simplicity's sake. Is there one of the positions that you feel like if the guys had an equal grade, or or is there one that you just feel like that you want them to address the most between wide receiver, a corner, and an offensive line? And edge rusher. Let's throw that in there, too. I think that's sort of a sneaky, important position as well. I mean, just be, I mean, just in general on defense, it's probably the most important position on the defense. If you don't have a, a really good edge rusher, then you're always searching for, for one. And not that the Eagles don't. Connor Barwin, obviously, has been a really good off- uh, uh, outside linebacker for, for the Eagles, especially last year. And they just paid a lot of money to Brandon Graham. He's going to get his first chance to start in 2015. But beyond that, they're really thin. So if they can add another edge rusher, he'll be able to play more than likely year one and, and possibly contribute. So I, I wouldn't be against an edge rusher at all. But all things being equal, I mean, they are just so thin. And when you look at, you know, long term along that offensive line, they really got to add bodies and they got to add talented players along that offensive line. So all things being equal, even if, and I think fans would hate it, they just hate it. Even if it were like, if it were an offensive tackle, ideally you could have, you could draft a tackle that can play guard for a year. So at least they can kind of get their feet wet and contribute year one. But ultimately they're going to have to get a tackle and, and they just got to fill out that offensive line with more youth and depth. So all things being equal, I mean, that would be my preference anyway, would be just to start rebuilding that offensive line because of how old it is and, and things that they're going to have to change as, as you know, when, when you look toward the long term. I think I'm, I, I'm in agreement with you, actually, and as much as I hate to do that. <laughs> uh, but he, here's the thing. The Eagles have some, some skilled players. They have a pretty good starting offensive line. But in order for Chip Kelly's system to be at its best – you need you need to be able to be creative with your blocking. And here's what I'm saying. A lot of teams can sit there and they can use bunch formations and they can go to max protection. Chip Kelly's guys need space to operate for his scheme to really work. And what that means is you need to rely on five blockers in order for that thing to really thrive. So you need guys that can get the job done. And they've got four of them now. We'll see if Andrew Gard, or excuse me, uh, if uh, uh, who's going to be the right? Uh, oh, it'd Alan, be Alan Barbary. Alan, Alan Barbary is going to be the right guard for now. Uh, we'll, we still have some hope Matt Tobin could develop into a decent guard, but they need a, a talent there, and that's one position where I would like to see a, a frontline player brought in. And and uh, the pure guards in this class are not real good, so. It is going to be an offensive tackle that you would start off challenging for the right guard spot. And uh, there's plenty of good guys. The guy that most fascinates me is TJ Clemmings from Pitt, Mm -hmm. strictly because he's so physical and he's got the ability to be a dominant run blocker. And we saw last year, you know, what uh, what happened with Zach Martin in Dallas. And if you 
it's funny they had a they put a rookie and a right guard, an offensive tackle who moved to guard, and a guy who's a good run blocker, and that offense just thrived. And I'm not saying the same thing would happen for the Eagles, but it it just uh, that spot and that type of player would be interesting. And down the road, the guy could be your starting right tackle or left tackle, but right now he could challenge for the right guard job. And that makes sense because obviously the Eagles are going toward a run-heavy offense in 2015. I don't think there's any secret there with you know bringing in DeMarco Murray and Ryan Matthews and you have Sproles right. and whoever else their fourth running back is. So, I mean, there's no surprise they're going to run the crap out of the wall in 2015. And, you know, the other name that that keeps coming up with the Eagles that also makes a lot of sense is Jake Fisher, who uh, obviously played at Oregon, is totally familiar with the scheme and and thrived in the scheme. More of a technician than he is the, you know, just a really physical dominating player that that TJ Clemmings is. I was not a Clemmings fan uh, coming away from the senior bowl. Uh, He was kind of a disappointment there. And then sure. you had posted you had posted that highlight reel of him <laughs> on your site, right? And holy crap! I mean, he was just killing people in that video, and I was like, okay, well, obviously he's better than what I saw at the Senior Bowl. So I kind of did a little bit of a one eighty on him, watched him a little bit more, and came away a little bit more impressed with with the kind of player that he is. But yeah, I think the uh, the, the premise with the offensive line is if they are going to draft a guy in that first round, you get him in that you get him in, and and he plays right guard for a year or left guard, depending on what happens with Evan Mathis. And then eventually he kicks over to right tackle and Lane Johnson kicks over from right tackle to left tackle. Whenever Jason right. Peters starts to go into severe decline, I think we saw a little bit of a decline out of him in 2014. Um, and obviously he's getting up there in age. He's, he's 33. So he's not going to be able to play forever. And you got to start worrying about that offensive tackle spot. Uh, but yeah, it, it would sort of be the right guard of the present right tackle the future that you draft with it with, you know, at the 20th overall pick. Exactly. And, uh, you know, th- they're going to have several options, you know, offensive linemen, various teams have various things they like, you know, the chip Kelly prefers, uh, athletic guys. Andy Reid like monstrous guys like, uh, Eric flowers from Miami is a guy. I'm not sure if the Eagles are going to be super keen on him because he's not a very good athlete. Right. Now, big guy. He's a big, big, he's like 6'5", 330, and he runs like a 5'4", 40. Nobody says that 40 speed dictates talent, but it does help you understand the level of athletic ability, which is important to Chip Kelly. So 40 speed is a valuable tool in trying to figure out which guys fit Chip Kelly's offense. And I don't think Flowers does. Now, there's going to be other teams to see Flowers and may have him as the number one offensive lineman. So, uh, if a guy like Brandon Scherf fell to 20, I think he would be a really interesting player to, to plug in a guy from Iowa. Yep. And uh, you, know, you mentioned Jake Fisher. If the Eagles needed a pure offensive tackle, I might say Jake Fisher would be the guy. Just take him. He knows the offense. He can play right side. He can play left side. He's a really good athlete. He's a terrific player. My only concern is we're trying to find somebody that could possibly challenge for the right guard spot. And I don't know if Fisher's a guy that I necessarily – think could thrive at guard even if it's only for like say two to three years he to me seems more like an offensive tackle like he's a better pass blocker than he would be an inside run blocker so uh, mixed feelings on Fisher but he still is a very good prospect that wouldn't be Chip Kelly being a homer he's a legitimate first round offensive lineman and um I'm trying to think if there's oh Lyle, have, you ever had, have, you, have you had a chance to watch uh, DJ Humphreys I have and I like DJ Humphreys a lot I love undersized athletic pass blockers. And and sometimes in the past it's gotten me in trouble with guys because they were really athletic and they got to the NFL and they couldn't handle the physicality. 
But uh, I love DJ Humphreys. I, he's a guy I'd like to know if the Eagles, you know, what they what they think about. But um, I need to get a better feel for his run blocking. But as a pass blocker and an athlete, he certainly is a tremendous player. And uh, and he's somebody that, that could possibly be of interest to pick 20. And I know you want to mention the guy at round two. I'm not going to say his name. You just go ahead. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who you're even talking oh, about. Oh, come on now. Guard, senior bowl. Oh, Allie Marpet. <laughs> right? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. What I, what I was going to say before was uh, Lyle Collins from LSU could be a guy that Chip Kelly loves. We know Chip Kelly loves SEC players. And Lyle Collins is a guy that played left tackle at LSU, but is a nasty run blocker who would be a natural fit at right guard. So that could be a guy. Marpet is an interesting case. Here's the thing. A couple of people have put out that uh, the scouts they've talked to seem to think he's going to be a third-round pick unless teams really covet athletic offensive linemen, and then maybe they take him in the late second. Hmm, who does that sound like? <laughs> right. You know, so if if the Eagles knew, if they felt like there was some level of likeliness that they could get Allie Marpet in the second round, I'd almost say you could pass on offensive line in the first round because Marpet seems like a perfect fit. And, and the Eagles did send Jeff Stoutland, the offensive line coach, to run his pro day. So, they were down there. They got a, an up-close look. They obviously met him at the Senior Bowl. I don't know if they met him at the combine, but they've been really exposed to this young man. Uh, they obviously like what they see. They think he's a good fit. They, the only question now is, do they like him enough to draft him in the second round, or does he is he even on the board when they pick? So he would definitely be somebody that could be an eagle. It, make, it would make a lot of sense. I could see them taking him in the second round and not wanting to chance him in the third round because if you remember what happened last year in the draft. They were they really right. wanted an offensive lineman in that third round, and there was an insane run on offensive linemen that were you know just bang 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 bang, they were just gone one after the next, leading up to the Eagles' pick in the third round. They, if you remember, they had two picks in the third round, and by the time they that first pick in the third round came along, all the guys that they had on their board were gone, so they traded out. Then with their additional third round pick, they took Josh Huff, but they were really, in fact, I think I think Howie Roseman actually used the word devastated. That they didn't get an yeah. offensive lineman in that third round, so they may be gun shy this year, and they just want to take that guy and get him in the second round before that happens. And Marpet could be that guy. Absolutely, that's a great point. It was funny the way Howie was so willing to confess that. Yeah, yeah, and, and because it, it, everybody expected him to take an offensive lineman, it didn't happen, and he wanted to stress that it, it really was an issue for them. That it was something they had counted on, and it wasn't able to happen. So. Uh, you're right. This is an area where they may err on the side of caution this year. So that may help. That may cause them to suspend pick 20 on an offensive lineman if there's any doubt. Or if they get to the second round and they have any doubts about you know a guy making it in the third round or having the right guy available in the third round, you know, I, I don't I don't think it's likely at all that Marpet would be around for the Eagles third round pick. To me, he would go early in the third. Um, but we'll see. You never know. It, Division three players don't go top 100 very often. So, you know, maybe we're overrating him. Maybe he will slide down. We'll, we'll see. But uh, the, kid, the kid had a tremendous showing at the Senior Bowl, a tremendous showing at his pro day at the Combine. Lit up and the Combine. Uh, yeah, I mean, this, this guy's done everything. The only thing he can't go back and change is the fact that he was playing at Merchant Marine Academy instead of the University of Miami. And there's nothing he can do about that. But when you go and you watch what he did at the Senior Bowl against players from elite schools, he more than held his own. He was outstanding. So that shows you 
he's got the physical ability to thrive against NFL type competition. All right, so let's move on to. Oh, let's let's. Uh, okay, so if there was a, and we'll do like the uh, grades being equal thing again. Right. Corner or wide receiver. I'm going to go corner. Yeah, I think I don't think there's any question. I mean, I, I think just in general, even if even if you have <laughs> decent corners, I mean, just it's so it's so much harder to find good corners than it is wide receivers. So I think if there is a corner there, then that you really, really like, then you take them. And I think the the consensus guy that everyone has rated as number one corner is Trey Waynes. He's going to be long gone by the time the Eagles pick. And then there's a bunch of guys that all kind of have. I don't. I don't know if you want to say they all kind of have their own their own major flaws, but they're they're like they're, there's all there's a reason for every one of them that you maybe not want to take them at at well, twenty. I would say just the opposite. I would say they each have their own unique strengths. Okay, that, I'll give you that, that. That's their thing because I look at these guys like to me the number two corner is Kevin Johnson from Wake Forest. Okay, and uh, I think he's a very smooth, talented corner, and yeah, he obviously has some holes in his game. But to me, you watch the guy; he's a very natural cornerback. Like some guys are just born to do something. Like you to say dumb things for Kevin Johnson, it's to to backpedal and, and move off the football. He's just very fluid, very natural, very smooth. Other guys are herky-jerky, awkward, that kind of thing. That's the biggest selling point for him is that he's a smooth, natural defensive back. Uh, you look at uh, other players, uh, Byron Jones is your explosive athlete. There's uh, a guy that crazy, just, yes. Just jumps out at you. Uh, right. The guy that, of, out of that type area that I kind of prefer, and it's taken him a while to grow on me, is Eric Rowe from Utah who I think when I first watched him this year, he was he had just moved to corner, and I wasn't taking into account the fact he was still new at corner. And now that I've watched some of his old games and I've watched multiple games for this year, I think the, the big selling point for me, the number one thing, I, the number one of the reasons like Trey Wayne's number one is that I see a guy who's athletic, who's skilled, and who's a smart player. And when I watch... Eric Rowe, I see a smart player. And after Nate Allen and Bradley Fletcher, I want a smart defensive back. And so Eric Rowe, I just, I, when I watch him, he seems to make good decisions. He shows vision. He shows awareness. He shows an understanding of, this, of different ideas and coverages. Uh, he's just a player that really has grown on me. I don't know if the, the Eagles will pull the trigger at 20, but they've shown a lot of interest in him. So it's a possibility. Rose got those on my radar, you know, as early as like September. And like you, I watched them early. I wasn't, I mean, it's not that I wasn't impressed with them, but he didn't do anything that to, you know, really blow me away. And then I watched them fairly closely at the senior bowl and was kind of unimpressive there. And then the combine comes around and what did he run? Like a four, 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 I think. Yeah, I mean, it, it, a four four five four four six somewhere in that range. Four four five, and he's six one two zero five. So he's got right. outstanding size. And I think the big concern with him was, what's he going to run? Like, is he going to be able to keep up with? Uh, you know, you look at forty times, and they're misleading for a lot of positions. But the one position where scouts and and NFL personnel people really do kind of put a heightened level on forty times is corner. So when Rowe ran a four four five, that really solidified him as a corner because people weren't really sure whether he'd be a corner or a safety. Because actually at the Senior Bowl, he played safety. 
the first day of practice. They had him at safety, and I don't think there's any question now at this point that he's going to probably be cornerback in the NFL. Certainly with the Eagles, in my opinion, if they were to draft him, he'd probably be a corner. Would you agree with that, first of all? I think they would try him at corner first, and if things didn't work, they would have safety as kind of a fallback plan. But I do think that Roe, they would probably try it say, at corner first. Yeah, and then the, the one thing that um, you know jumps out, I, I guess by contrast, with uh, Kevin Johnson, who you mentioned earlier, he ran a four-five-two, which is a little bit disappointing. But like you said, he's sort of more of a smooth, natural corner, unlike guys like Eric Rowe, who have played multiple positions. And uh, uh, who was the other guy who was uh, Byron uh, Jones? Byron Jones, right? Um, well, did, jo- did Jones play multiple positions at UConn? Yeah, he, he played safety his first two years. He moved to corner as a junior, and then this year he played seven games at corner before he hurt. I think it was his shoulder, and he missed the rest of the year. And Jones is also really known for being a high character guy as well. In fact, he's uh, that's how he, he was on my radar a little bit before the combine, before he had you know, before he shattered the broad jump uh, record, and that that had nothing to do with his explosiveness. It was all about just because I had read that he is you know really great character, and he too has you know really really good size at six one, uh, like two hundred, I think one ninety nine maybe. So I mean, Jones, a lot of corners really kind of fit that profile of yes. bigger guys that the Eagles like. So I don't know that 20 is really the best spot where you want to get a corner in this draft, but if they're sitting there at 20 and there wasn't really anything all that compelling on the board and they had the opportunity to move back and have sort of a, you know, a couple fallback options at corner, I think that'd be a, a, a smart play to, to, to go that way. If, if, you know, if, if they could, if they feel like they could get a corner that way, and pick up well, some extra picks. And the one thing we have to remember that, the Eagles and defensive back, one of the key things is they're going to meet with these guys either at the NovaCare or their facility, and they're going to put them up on the whiteboard. And an impressive whiteboard performance, which is where the coach runs them through X's and O's, that's part of what led them to drafting Jalen Watkins and Ed Reynolds. Now, we can sit here and say, hey, they shouldn't have made those picks. That's a whole other argument. But the bottom line is that was important to Bill Davis and Chip Kelly the fact that these guys were smart enough to understand certain concepts and they knew what they were doing. They were coachable. They were, they retained knowledge uh, and they, they had a, a vision and an understanding of the whole defense. So, uh, you know, when we're talking about these prospects to us, we look at numbers and you know, we study their play, but to the Eagles meeting them, talking to them and getting a feel for their, their ability to handle them, the mental side of things, that's going to be crucial. And it'll be interesting to see, like you say, Got like Jones, that may be a big selling point for him. Maybe he's a really bright guy. I think Rowe, I think that would be a selling point for him. The other guys I can't speak to, uh, but they're certainly all very talented players. Right. PJ Williams, another one who's who's got good size at six foot. And then the other guy who But wait a minute now. PJ Williams just got a DUI, brother. Oh, I didn't I hadn't seen that. Oh yeah. And here's the the beautiful thing. His uh, lawyer came out today and said he had a couple of drinks, but he was the designated driver. The other kids wanted to go to McDonald's. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, that's so the Tallahassee cops pulled him over, <laughs> and and he says, "I'm an FSU football player, and I just want to go home." <laughs> okay. So PJ Williams is off the Eagles draft board. He ain't gonna be an Eagle, and he is dropped from the first round. Maybe although he ran like a four five seven, I want to say oh, yeah, four okay. five something. Yeah. He's he's dropped. He he's now gonna be a third round pick most likely. But uh, okay. yeah, that's. That's your PJ Williams update for the week. And then the other guy who some people think it could be is, is the best 
cornerback in the draft in terms of talent is Marcus Peters. No chance on him, right? I don't know. Here's the thing that I started thinking about the other day. The Washington coaching staff kicked him off the football team, but they didn't cut ties with him. They kept saying nice things about him in the press. They invited him to the pro day, and the, the example that I thought of was Chip Kelly kicked Le, or suspended LeGarrette Blunt for the season after that season-opening fight against Boise State, and then he kept him around and let him play his way back or work his way back onto the team for like the season finale in the bowl game or something like that. And I, I guess LeGarrette Blunt was at Oregon's pro day. So it's like if a kid makes a mistake, you have to punish him. You have to. But if the if the if the coaching staff goes out of their way to to keep the relationship in a positive way, even though there's something negative that's happened, that may be enough for for Kelly to say, okay, Peters isn't the guy that everybody thinks. I don't know. That's just a, a theory. I don't know what's going on here, but uh, Peters certainly has the talent, and he, he's a guy that is a physical, aggressive player that I think Kelly would love. So if character checks out. That may be a guy that, that that Chip Kelly really likes. All right, we're going to wrap it up here because we're up against the uh, the clock here. But what we'll do is the next time we're on, we'll sort of preview the wide receivers, uh, edge rushers, and some other you know players of interest that that could be available at twenty and whatever the current news of the day is. The next time we uh, we record, uh, unless you have any final thoughts here, Tommy. No, I'm good. You know, there's we'll talk as much as we can between now and the draft. And get you guys, uh, you know, in tuned and informed as best we can. He's Tommy. I'm Jimmy. This was Eagles Pod. You've been listening to the Eagles Pod with Jimmy Kemsky and Tommy Lawler right here on LibertyBroadcast.co. Mm-hmm.